This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Yannick Mania. And I'm Luc Olivier Dumeblet. And our topic this week is... Notable Electric Cars of 2021. Sweet. Uh, we've had requests for car episodes, and we haven't had a lot of those recently, so I'm pretty sure the fans will be happy. Uh, but first, I have some follow-up. Um, a reminder once again that uh, we are going to be doing a Zelda Link to the Past episode in April. Uh, that is going to be episode 159 on April 25th. Uh, so start playing if you haven't yet. <clears throat> <clears throat> uh, um, I think you were saying that to me, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm also so behind on where I should be right now, so I should be playing more. But I accidentally started playing Destiny earlier, so that might not happen. Uh-oh, uh-oh. So, yeah, I'm not too much to be blamed here. If you switch to, an- if you switch to another game, then... Mm. Uh, next up is some uh, follow-up for the episode we did uh, last time about desktop Linux. Um, I said on that episode that Wayland was pretty much good and there were not that many issues with it. Well, the day after <laughs> no. we recorded, uh, there were not after we recorded, the day after we posted the show, uh, someone posted a gist called uh, Think Twice Before Abandoning Xorg, Wayland Breaks Everything. And then the day after Ooh. that, uh, Drew DeVault, who is a developer on one of the uh, major Wayland servers, made an article on his blog called I'm Tired of This Anti-Wayland Horse Shit. So there's some drama going on in the Wayland world. I don't really care enough to go into it. Uh, I think the people who say that Wayland breaks everything are slightly exaggerating. And I also think that Drew's stance that basically anything criticizing Wayland is horseshit is also wrong. Uh, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. Uh, but uh, if you're interested in this drama, you can go read it. I just thought the timing was hilarious, as usual. <laughs> uh, next up is some follow-up on Stadia. It has been a big two weeks for Stadia. Uh, but oy, first, oy, oy. I need to come back to uh, when we talked about Stadia being in beta on iOS via safari because i finally tried it this week uh it was the end of the destiny 2 season as i mentioned and um i had some maintenance to go do on my character because they were deprecating a bunch of currencies that i was holding on to and i needed to go spend them before they were worthless uh so i did that and i realized that what i was using before the uh, stadium browser which was a browser specifically made for cloud gaming services uh, broke on Stadia. It just wouldn't work anymore, uh, which was less than ideal, let's say. Uh, so I decided to go check if uh, logging into Stadia and Safari would work, and it did. Uh, so it recommends making a web clip so that it can take full advantage of uh, the full screen APIs. And mm. honestly, it's a really, really great experience. It has better support for the controller overlay menu than what Stadium had. Uh, previously in Stadium, you entered like this full screen video only view. And the problem with that is if you press the Stadia button to bring up the side overlay uh, to send messages to people or pair a controller or something like that, uh, it didn't work properly. It would go under the full screen video view you were looking at. So you had to dismiss it and it was a weird janky situation. Now, because they're using proper full screen APIs and the hooks that are built into web clips, uh, they actually can display the controller overlay menu properly on top of the game. uh, So you can actually interact with those menus like you should be able to. Uh, So I've had a great time. I I did that maintenance session on Destiny 2. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, 
I might have purchased Destiny 2 Beyond Light and the latest season earlier today uh, because I tried the season out uh, yesterday night and uh, they give you a free taste of the first two bits of content and it was really really good really good uh and the reviews have been really good too so uh i sort of broke and <laughs> i bought it uh luckily it was on sale although the sale will be over by the time you hear this and we got a ten dollar credit to use on stadia games during our thing that i think neither of us had used uh so i, I put did it not towards, use it you're uh, correct yeah so i put it towards the destiny to beyond light expansion and uh I, what I thought was the current season, but actually I think I accidentally bought three seasons worth of stuff, but hey, it was a good price for what I was getting if I thought I was getting one season. So if I'm getting all three, I effectively got the expansion for free. So uh, that's a pretty good deal. Um, so yeah, that is what happened with Stadia on iOS. It's a pretty good experience. Go check it out if you have access to the hardware. Okay, now we have to get into the bad news about Stadia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, because I, I I assumed that everything you said, I was like, oh, it, it sounded positive. And from what we discussed offline, I was like, oh, it seems it's missing the other half. Yes. So the other half of the news is, uh, well, there are two parts of the bad news. So the first thing is Stadia's original game studio has shut down because Google didn't foresee the game development is expensive, which is kind of weird. <laughs> they sort of oh, poached yeah, yeah. all of this really high-profile talent, including uh, Jade Raymond, who was a very high-ranking uh, executive at Ubisoft and all of that stuff. Uh, and they made one game, which was not very good. And then they just said, well, we don't really want to keep investing money into making video games, so... Uh, we're just going to shut down the studio, uh, which is not great. Uh, I must say that both Amazon and Google uh, opened their own game studios in recent years, and neither of them have really done anything good with uh, their studios who are filled with really smart people, mostly because people are managing them like they're an IT company and not like they're a game studio, and that doesn't work. I didn't know that Amazon had um, a game studio. Oh, you haven't heard about their disastrous games? <laughs> I guess not. Um, yeah, I think they were... They, I think it was as part of the Kindle Fire... Uh, not Kindle Fire, but the Fire TV initiative. They mm. wanted to have a game studio to make original games for the Fire TV boxes. And they made some sort of weird eSport thing that I don't quite remember the details of, but it universally was agreed upon that it was a terrible game and that nobody wanted to play this and i think if they shut it down like three months after it launched it was like a terrible disaster um and there have been recent stories i think uh bloomberg published a story recently about uh what's been happening behind closed doors at amazon with all the gaming stuff and it has come up more recently with uh, jeff bezos leaving as ceo uh (laughs) asking if they're going to stay committed to game development and so far he said yes so we'll see what that does but um yeah, that's what's going on with the original game studio. And then there's another thing, which you may have heard about, which is uh, the developer of Terraria, which is a 2D side-scroller clone of Minecraft, um, got locked out of their Gmail account. And the problem with big companies like Google is that when one arm of the company does something, uh, in this case, automatically ban one of your developers uh, because of some algorithmic flag somewhere, and you have terrible support, and they can't get back into their email, uh, they don't want to develop for your platform anymore. So Terraria for Stadia was 
canceled uh, this week because the developer just can't get access to their Google account anymore and nothing seems to be working to get the attention of Google, so maybe this will. <laughs> so it's kind of terrible. It also kind of scares me that if something similar were to happen with Apple Arcade, what would happen to Apple's reputation in that uh, respect? I think the the good news that other uh, gaming platforms have is that they tend to be specific to gaming and not extend to every facet of your life like something like Google or uh, Apple might. Um, so I think this is a risk for all of these big tech companies that are getting into gaming is that if your accounts can get randomly shut down and you have shitty support, um, maybe your developers will get caught in the crossfire and you'll lose some games because of it. And that's it. Good. On my side, uh, there's two things, and they are more or less related to the same episode. It's uh, from a long time ago, but it's episode uh, 84, titled It's Pronounced Waze, when I mm. mispronounced 10,000 times uh, Waze in this episode. And Yannick was making fun of me, as he always does, and as he should. First thing is, as I mentioned in also multiple different episodes, not only this one, um, I've owned multiple... I should say I shouldn't say multiple because it's only two, but I guess you can say multiple for two. But I've owned two Ford cars in the past six years, which meant I have a lot of experience with the sync system and its different generation. Uh, so, long story short, my 2014 Ford Fiesta ST used to run uh, Sync Two as its infotainment system, and my 2017 um, Ford Focus RS runs Sync Three. Um, Couple of uh, about ten days ago, yeah, ten days ago, um, there was a big announcement from Ford saying that they would move away from what they have today, and they by or in 2023 they will start to run uh, Android OS oh, or no. uh, automotive Android automotive OS for their infotainment system. And the big news was say like starting 2023 you'll see cars having the Google Assistant, a lot of the Google stuff in the car and at first it wasn't clear if what they meant by that because of course pr speak but uh sean uh sean o'kane from the verge uh, i'll put a link in the show notes to his small thread of two tweets so like we can it can be qual- qualified as small uh didn't mention like oh it's unclear what that was going to happen to its sync and literally uh, replied to himself saying that yes uh, recently with sync 3 and 4 uh, starting with sync 3 uh, ford uh, went away from the microsoft embedded os's to uh, qnx and now starting 2023 uh, they will be using android automotive os that's why it's bring it brings all the google stuff assistant play store etc so it does mean that qnx as powering the sync the ford sync infotainment system is up to the end of its life um i think i will start there to say maybe a bit early i don't know if like i don't know about ford's plan but if we compare it with what ford did with microsoft's os's and embedded os's which started in their early 2000s it was not as like a touchscreen and everything but uh, a lot of the infotainment system even the more dumb one were powered by uh, microsoft technology and the sync name so to see that more or less sync 3 and 4 which got released four or five years ago which will stay stay around till 2023 maybe let's say 
let's assume that they'll take a year to migrate every all the cars like so that they put the new system in all the new model years at this point uh it would mean that they would have stayed maybe not even 10 years in their car system versus Microsoft did 12, 13, if I recall correctly. So a bit surprised by that. I'm eager uh, as an infotainment system nerd, I'm really eager to see what they'll do and what they'll bring to consumers with that um, and how they'll spin it because I think in the past few years, uh, even what we will see, what I'll bring up later in the episode, I think uh, Ford was doing great with their infotainment system. Not as great as other companies, but overall, I think they had a cohesive system, and I hope that that stays the same, even if they move to a new underlying OS. So I have a question, and I don't know if you know the answer, because I, neither of us really pays attention much to Google events anymore. Um, True. Android Automotive OS, what the fuck is that? Is that just Android Auto but built standalone so that you don't need to pair a phone with it? Like, I don't understand what it is. That's a good point. Um, from my understanding of the thing, and then I, like, I didn't really search too deep because when I read those reviews, I was like, you know what? I think I've recalled that part of what, uh, what Google was doing with Android Auto is that they were also exploring being the OS for those systems. Whereas what Apple is doing with CarPlay, it's like, here is the technology that your infotainment system should support so that we can do CarPlay, but uh, you're not forced to use QNX for it to work, right? You can use whatever you want. And we've seen from other companies that people have are using Android Automotive OS and they some surprisingly support uh, CarPlay for phones. Uh, but it seems to be more like the same effort that Microsoft did for multiple years with uh, Windows Embedded and now QNX. It's just that they are building a system that is optimized for uh, infotainment system. And I wouldn't be surprised. It's kind of like trying to do a bit what Tesla is doing, uh, which is kind of controlling the whole car and all that fun stuff. So I don't know if it goes that far. And if it does, I'm surprised that a big company like Ford is kind of willing to lose a bit of control in that aspect. Uh, because usually, even if they're infotainment system, like even if car companies uh, improve in the recent years on that, they still want to control that part. So I guess we'll see. And uh, surprisingly, tonight I didn't want to focus too much on that. So I didn't really research in deep details what is Android OS, automat- automotive OS, but I can I sense a, a future topic for this. Are there any screenshots in the article? Uh, no, most of the screenshots are about the vehicle that we will be talking soon, uh, which is the uh, Ford Mustang Mach-E, from what I can see mm. here on the Verge article. The only screenshot uh, is a Ford logo and a Google logo, from what I can see. Okay, that's and it seems to be Yeah, it's, like, at this point, it seems really mainly, uh, mainly uh, just like a PR speak. A couple of things they've said, like... Like Google Assistant will be like used, Google Maps will be there, and they said other automotive approved Android apps will be available in Ford's car. And the big the big caveat is not the caveat, but the big the big selling tool is that you won't need to have a smartphone for those features to work. Mm. So it could mean that it would bring the like into the app platform to your car without having your smartphone, which is interesting. I know Ford kind of does that right now with Sync. Like you could build Sync app or yeah. mobile, optim- not mobile optimized, but mobile apps that can talk to the Sync system directly. Um, 
But yeah, uh, it seems also according to PR here that uh, the system will still be support, uh, compatible with CarPlay and that Ford will still continue to offer Amazon's Alexa because today in sync, you can use Alexa if you want. And I think that's so, I, I think though that is US only or only on specific car. I think the USK because there's a LT connection can support that even here uh, in Canada. So interesting news from uh, our friends at Ford. Um, I'm eager to see what, what it will do uh, because I don't want to, talk too much right now about the Mackie, but I see I like what I see there. Next point is something that Yannick sent me. I don't know where you figured that out, but it was a hacker news, I think. Okay, that makes sense. Um it is a, a fun article about uh somebody uh and I'll post the link in the show notes uh figuring out a way to get the root shell access to uh, a Bosch infotainment system unit that is mainly used these days in nissan cars uh so they've used uh, one from the 2015 uh, nissan extra suv uh but again just to uh, i find it interesting because also they go into big details about how did they figure out and how they are more or less having a root access to the unit and getting root access on a small computer like this uh when some of them i don't know about this one if they exactly have can bus access but you can imagine that some do so it does mean that you literally have a, the control of a computer that is on the can bus which is literally the network that is controlling all your cars so it, bad things could happen uh, i think this specific bus unit is not lt connected so to get the root access you still need to have a special usb key plugged in but still, uh, you could fake it to a friend and then put the USB key. Oh, I'm giving you some music and then. Uh, or rental cars. Or... Yes, or rental cars is a good example. You rent the car, you do your thing, and then poof, something happens down the road. So interesting for the nerds inside of us. Also, uh, I, th- I, I really liked it because, again, it's linux embedded in a lot of those systems so it kind of like tied a bit to uh, our linux discussion so i felt it was a great mix of your past episode and my uh, love of infotainment system from our past few episodes good so tonight as i mentioned in the intro i would like to go through a journey with you about some of the car not all because i think we could have uh, it stay there but some of the car that will be introduced in 2019 um and not only in 2019, but some of them you'll see is going to be in 2022. Uh, it's in 2019, but 2021. I don't know why I'm thinking 2019. Yeah, I was like, huh, where is he going with Yes, this? I know. I know. I don't know. Uh, but the idea is recently, and just like in my spare time, and also I have a good friend that is a car electric car owner. So... Um, two of my friends were talking about cars, and these days when we talk about cars... It's, a lot about electric cars so it got me more or less so we were talking about different models different competition to the teslas and for sure tonight we'll talk about the teslas maybe i'll regret that but that's a different <laughs> topic uh, but the idea i wanted to go through tonight is just kind of give to our listeners and also to you nick a kind of a perspective of what's coming and what i see kind of kind of not as a as an av owner but just a kind of a car enthusiast uh what is happening in 2021 
and let's say a bit of 2022 in the electric car world because i do believe that uh, this side of the car market is starting to boil up quite fast and i imagine that the next few years are going to be quite interesting uh, i think we're i won't make some bold statement like oh we're about 10 years away from something <laughs> happening but I, I think it's fair to note that a lot of current car manufacturers are making arts like art commitments, or I shouldn't say art, but they're starting to make some PR commitments, I should say it this way, uh, about either being like full electric or like reducing the percentage of their car gas-powered uh, lineup by like like we heard the 2030 for Volvo, for example, to 2035 for I think GM. So the next 10 to 15 years for sure are going to be crazy. Uh, and even this year, it's like early February. Uh, a lot of things has happened in the last two, three months, like late this late uh, 2020, early 2021. So I'll like to start with what already happened. Two trends that I see happening in the next 12 to 18 months. And then what I like to call the future, even if there there are going to be releases, but it's more like the future of car. Uh, that is my third category. So again, I'll I'm kind of forced to include 2022 in this episode because again, uh, I think it would be fair to say that the COVID pandemic is also throwing a wrench in the car manufacturer's plan. So some things that would have already happened or were supposed to happen in early, like in mid 2020, are getting pushed back. Uh, again. Some things have already happened in Europe, for example, and I'll be focusing tonight on the North American car market, especially Canada and US. So uh, there's a couple of cars that I'll be talking tonight that there some for some of our listeners, like, why are they talking about those? They are already out. Um, so again, I do know that some of those examples, they're uh, delayed, like they were supposed to come now, and now it's more like later this year. Uh, some of them may say it's COVID, some of them may say it's for other reasons, uh, but it's going to be interesting because we'll get a lot of variety. So first, let's start, and I'm going strong because I'm starting with Tesla tonight. Um, but the main reason I'm starting with Tesla is because recently they had a big announcement, um, and they are more or less, rev not reviving, but um, changing their first models that went, they went on market with. Um, yes, I'm ignoring the, the, the Tesla Roadster, like... That was a little prototype that they sell to people. Uh, but uh, in the beginning of January, they've announced their updated Model S and Model X, which is kind of like more their kind of upmarket uh, models. But the main reason why it is, I think, a big news in the EV market is because the Model S has been out since 2012 as uh, model year 2013. Uh, got a lot of like design revision throughout the years, but the overall package was more or less what we had till then. And for sure, Tesla is a less like what we have for car manufacturers today, where they don't have like clear generations of car. Like you can, you can take a, like a three series BMW and it's like, oh, it's this uh, the E46 F... Like, uh, E90, like F10, like all those letters means more or less like the name of that generation, which is more or less six to seven, six to eight years. 
Uh, so Tesla is more like, again, like a software company, even with cars. Every year they will make some small tweaks and also make some improvements to their cars. But this one marked two big things. Uh, first, I would say they brought a lot of the design language, especially in their interior, from what they've learned with the Model 3 and the Model Y to the Model S and the Model X, which I think it's, I shouldn't say it's it or miss, but there's things I do like and things I'm not sure it's it's went in the right direction. Uh, if you are listening to ATP, I think there was, has been a lot of conversation in the past two, three weeks from Marco Arment about that as a longtime uh, Model S owner. But overall, if you also liked the changes that Tesla did from the Model 3 in 2017-2018 compared to the Model S at that time, uh, you'll be happy to hear that a lot of those changes are brought back. So kind of they got rid of the screen behind the steering wheel, which was your typical like gauge cluster, which was digital on the Model S. Now that's gone. The main uh, infotainment screen went from vertical to horizontal, like on the Model 3. Um, this one, I'm not so sure. I think they add something with um, with a vertical screen that made it more kind of car-like. They kind of made the 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 uh, the, con- the cars console in the middle well proportioned. Um, I do believe that uh, while it is nice on the Model 3, I think it fitted better with what the Model S and the Model X were as a car. So I'm, I'm just disappointed, but I'm not, I'm not surprised that they did that. But again, I think uh, that may be a small regression. So, but again, I'm eager to see too when people will be able to get them because those are coming soon. Uh, they should be, you should be able to, like, you can A, go order one today and it should arrive literally in March. Uh, so they also simplified the range, the not the range, but the lineup. So they have three models, the long range, which gives you the most range. They have the Plaid model, which is the first performance, and they have the Plaid Plus, which is the crazy performance model, but this one is later this year. Uh, and also the Plaid Plus is not available on the Model X. So if you want crazy performance, you need to get a car still. You you cannot get it on the SUV. Who knows what will happen? Who knows if it will uh, stay there? But again, same thing with the Model X. Like Those cars are like, now, now, uh, you can go to your dealership, you can no, you can go to your dealership, but you can order them online and in four to six weeks at this point, we're so close to March, you will be able to get one uh, and that's mainly it. So I do think that what we've seen with those is more or less like, you want an EV today, there's that. And that's, um, let, how can I put it this way? Let me put it this way. It's like it's a safe bet, you know, like, there's things you like, there's things you might dislike, which we'll talk about one big one soon. Uh, Is it Elon Musk? <laughs> okay, there's two things you might dislike. That. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but overall, uh, this is kind of the the safe value today on the market if you want an electric car. Yes, you'll pay for it. Yes, you'll be stuck uh, having a product made by Elon Musk. And I know there's a lot of people that are making those cars and like designing those cars, but still, Elon Musk is around. Well, my idiot uh, idea of like worst case scenario is that tomorrow they're gonna wake up and decide to put like Dogecoin mining in every Tesla car via software update. 
Yes, uh, like <laughs> it has the advantages of always getting software updates, but you never know what's in those software updates. Uh, but I, I think today, if if I was, it's funny because this brings me to like the new steering quote unquote wheel that they've shown in all the PR statements. And of course, in the recent, like in the past few weeks, the people are, were able to find out in different region where possibly those kind of like, uh, so if, I don't know if you've, I know Yannick, you did, but our listeners, if you ever watch Formula One and if you were to see a steering wheel on a Formula One car, it's not really a wheel. It's not a circle. It's kind of like kind of just a chunk. Uh, it's Imagine a circle where you chop the top and the bottom and you just left the sides where uh, the radius is more or less. Um, so that's what they've done. Uh, and I think this helped me put what I kind of dislike about Tesla's is they have great range, like the best on the market today. So if you want to kill your range anxiety with an electric car, go get a Tesla. They have cool tech too. Like they're, it shows that this car was made by a software company. But the problem is if you like cars, they're, it's not that they're not great cars, but the car is telling you and the company is telling you that they don't want you. They don't want you to drive the thing. You're you're kind of more or less useless for the car. You're currently just there for, I would say, two reasons. Liability, so that if you crash the car, you get blame and not them. And B, to also be a better tester. Because by you driving the car, they can take all those cameras and learn from different uh, road conditions and different types of roads. Because... You can like or dislike what they're doing with the interior, what what they're trying to do with the steering wheel. But I think what it's clearly saying to the market is cars should not be driven by humans. And for somebody that is like needs to commute morning, evening to go to work, for sure that might have not happened in the last year, that sounds appealing. But for somebody that likes to drive, that's not really appealing at all. Although what I will say is I don't think the wheel is the biggest symbol of that. I think the fact that they're showing a game store on the infotainment system where you can play The Witcher 3 while your car drives itself is probably the biggest proof that they don't really intend on you driving the car much. No, I I stick on the wheel today because that's the latest sign. Right. Again... They're getting rid of like the stock. So again, if you never drove a car, you'll be like, what the fuck is he talking about? But like you have a wheel and you have like the blinker sock and then the, 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 the yeah, you have a lot of stocks coming out from the drive, uh, the drive shaft on your uh, driving column, excuse me. So all of those are gone. They're replaced by buttons. And you know, a lot of cars are doing buttons on the wheel, but also they're real buttons. They're not like four step. That's something we've, somewhat learned in the past few days there's still a lot to learn about those types of things but every time they simplify and minimize or like min uh, they're building this kind of minimal design around the interior is really to de-emphasize driving and emphasize like you're in a plane more or less or you're in a mm. train you're being driven around and this is something like I'm uh, I'm not making a judgment call on that. It can be you, it cannot be you, but for sure that's kind of every time we, I talk about Teslas, even if, uh, for example, the 
Model 3 performance is a great car to drive around and have fun with. But you know that's not, even if it's the performance model, the end goal for this car is not to be fast around a racetrack for you to feel things. It's for you to be driven by it. It's an edge case that's going to be optimized out in future models. I wouldn't be surprised. Yes, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised that right now it's fine because it's an option. You have a lot of power because it sells cars. But <laughs> yes, I, I, I think you said it's... I won't have anything because I think like software will be like, yeah, we don't care about this edge case. Poof. And that's what it will be. And I, I'm eager to see it. We'll go around the list because uh, I asked our Yannick to, I sent my list of cars to Yannick <laughs> because I also want to talk, uh, I want him to talk about kind of what he thinks about the designs, all that fun stuff. And we'll see a lot of res- uh, examples in this list where new electric car company are, t- are taking some different trade-offs and it shows. It really shows that Tesla is optimizing on your being chauffeured around. And I would tend to agree that right now they might be optimizing a bit too crazy on that because they're setting a dream still. It's not there. I don't know when we'll be there. But like... What I will say is that Looking at this interior right now, first of all, I have to make this dumb point because I've been waiting five minutes to make it. If you look at the game <laughs> store screenshot, Terraria is listed there, unlike on Stadia. So that's a win right there. Um, oh, yo, 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 yo. But uh, joking aside, like this kind of experience and this like being driven around and having games to entertain you while you're stuck in traffic or whatever this makes a lot of sense for what i know about what life in california is like which is you're always fucking stuck in traffic forever mm-hmm. until you're at work and then yes. you're stuck in traffic forever until you're at home so i can see how someone who lives in california is like oh yeah this is my dream car because you're not actually driving that much to be honest when you're in california mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas in the rest of the world where we have less traffic or at least more manageable traffic or you just are a recreational driver and you can either go on a nice road or go on a track or whatever, like this is not appealing at all for that demographic. And that makes perfect sense. But I just think like it's it's really funny that like, yeah, the rich guy from California made a rich guy from California car like... (laughs) I would like you to hold that thought because down Uh-oh. in the list we'll have to have we'll have to have that talk again because oh, we'll nice. have to have another rich guy from California making a different type of car for a different type of rich guy in California and I think there's <laughs> other interesting things in that uh, other car but that's just a teaser. Okay, anything else you might want to add about uh, the new Model S and the Model X? So uh, I really have a little familiarity with these cars, but. Am I right? Because this isn't labeled. So the S is the sports one and the X is the one that looks like a dad car, right? Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So uh, the S is... Oh, my goodness. I really need to... Exp- oh, okay. We're going far then. Uh, I would have assumed that you mean the dad car is the one that looks like an SUV, right? So the Model yeah, S like is the sedan more car. more stretched out, longer car-ish oh wow okay oh my yannick I, I think you need to find the pictures where there are at least the the name behind uh, below them or something but yes uh if you want Google me to image search isn't good for this because it keeps lumping the since the article for the model s and model x were bundled together because they were shown at the same time like it's fucking impossible right. 
<laughs> so okay the best way i can describe it is the model s is the car shaped car so it's a sedan okay it's a five door it's quite big i would say so you can compare it to a five series or even a seven series because it's a, it's a big car but it is car shaped car so it should be lowered uh and the model x is the their suv so and those the, the model x and the model y are like like the small suv and the big suv and they're those the one that you can so that they look a bit like pod-like. Like you can imagine. Like... See, the, the problem I have with SUV is that SUV sort of doesn't really mean anything to me anymore because they used yes. to mean like these square boxy things and now they're all round and curvy. And I'm like, well, what the fuck? It's just like weird stretched cars. Yes, yes. Okay. And it's a good point that you bring this up because it's a fair transition to my next car. Oh. Because... So the next one in my list is the uh, Ford Mustang Mac E. So the first car in I should say the first car because there was the Ford Focus Electric, but that doesn't count because it was really shitty. Uh, but I think it's the first new car from it is the first new car from Ford saying putting statement forward saying it's full electric. It was designed electric. Uh, it's also putting a statement forward saying a we're reusing the Mustang name for something that is not a big V8. Blah blah blah. Um, don't really care. I'll be honest. Was never really a big fan of. No, I don't mind the Mustang, but like I know people are freaking out about this. Um, but yeah, I think it still retains a bit of the Mustang look, though. That's what I try to do. Like the the um, the way the hood works, the the tail lights too is kind of giving you a Mustang vibe. Uh, but I think what I do like about this car is it's. Kind of a car shaped car, and today a car shaped car means those SUV that are like swoopy and doesn't really look like a SUV boxy from the early 2000s or even from the 80s. Uh, but even like what I mean by the 2000s, like the Hummer, and we'll be back about the Hummer soon, but like big things, like yeah, um, they're like swoopy because that's what people want to buy. But one thing that is interesting, and I'll try to if you have a picture in front of you, but if you look on the profile side uh, of the car, and you'll see that the the lower portion of the car is using dark plastic, and yeah. to kind of make it look like it's a smaller vehicle. Uh, if you were to open the doors, you kind of realize that's where the battery is. So mm. it looks like a sleeker uh, vehicle that it is because they kind of try to hide the batteries, and that's kind of why they kind of need to. It, it, not only for this one, but for a lot of recent vehicles and you will see even with electric cars that they're kind of like this swoopy suv-ish is because they kind of need the right height because you need to sit on top of the battery like yes yeah. they don't need to be stuck with the engine at front or in the back or in the middle depending on which car for configuration you are but the battery needs to go somewhere and the best way to place it is lower to the ground as much as you can to have a low center of gravity so driving performance are great and they're quite thick so it kind of gives you this uh higher ride eye even if the a uh, good example is even if a mackie is not really riding eye but you are sitting eye in it one big change or one big difference because this is more like hitting the like the model 3 the model y type of market so we're talking about like 50 to 70k Canadian dollars, yes, expensive for a car. Let's not let's not say uh, otherwise. But like with rebates, we're slowly but surely becoming into the like the forty 
5K territory, which is expensive, but soon to what people are usually able to afford when they buy a new car. Uh, but while it's trying new things, I think it's retaining a lot of a lot of ergonomics that current car buyers and current people driving normal cars and not what Tesla is the car of the future, but for today, uh, I think it's a bit more familiar. There's buttons everywhere and people can dislike that and that's fine. But I think it's a they're doing a great mix of some screens plus buttons. Um retaining some normal some normal things that makes you feel at home or what you used to be if you replace it from like a Honda Civic or uh under CRV which is an SUV to this like you'll get like yes there'll be like unfamiliar things the recharging the a bit of the uh range anxiety but there's still some familiar things that ease out this transition and yes for sure Tesla had to like kind of like smash the market like kind of smash your imagination a bit and kind of also be different but i'm kind of liking that the more quote-unquote normal car manufacturer or the ones that exist existed like more than 10 years ago are slowly but surely coming in this market they are kind of yes for sure trying to edge this future but i think here what ford has done and i'm really eager like surprisingly enough i'm really eager to see one like in the flesh i I'm kind of like tempted to even call my dealership and say hey i'm interested even if i'm not really interested to buy it but i really want to test drive this one because i feel it's like kind of in between it gives me enough future but i'll feel comfortable enough to get used to that versus big clash with a tesla and you know what i have some friends that love this big clash that tesla made them into car people and that's fine too so uh, I think it's going to be a good product. I think it's going to be a successful product. And I'm really eager what it will do for the rest of the competition because uh, there's something there. Again, and that's going to be a recurring topic. Because I think they're doing some better things with the interior, making it a bit more familiar, there are things that they're not good at. And the main recurring thing we'll have tonight is range. I think they are getting good at range, but if you look at the paper and if you look on paper and even if you look in real world tests, if you wait for those cars to be out and be tested or even by car journalists, you'll see that the range is not as good as the Tesla's. You'll see that the charging network is not that good as the Tesla's. And for that, that has a value still. Uh, and that will always kind of be the dagger in front of all, uh, 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 like on top of all the other cars. Because it might be a a great product, but the second you want to maybe get out more of your kind of day-to-day uh, driving habits, some of them will start to fall flat. Uh, I think the uh, Mackie is doing great, but could be a bit better, right? Uh, here I read they're saying like 475 kilometers on a battery charge. Uh Teslas are in the 500, 600 range today. So that's a big gap to fill. But again, what you get with a car like this, and we'll see with another example, is you get, I think, a better quality interior. I'm really eager to see the new interior of the Model S and X because that was kind of a bit of the small downside on Tesla. The interior felt a bit like the, the minimalist approach felt that sometimes 
you know, you pay 100K for a car and it's like, yeah, the material inside of it is not what you would get from a BMW, for example, or a Mercedes-Benz. Um, or even like here with 50, 60K, like you could get better materials, better finishes inside. So uh, you get some, you lose some. But I'm really eager to see uh, those in the wild and maybe even test drive one because really impressed with what Ford has done for this. Any other thoughts about the Mac key? <laughs> so when I was searched uh, for the cars earlier on, this is the first one where I had an immediate gut reaction. And can you guess what it is? This is from the ex exterior. A gut reaction. Hmm. Yeah. Like as soon as I saw it, I thought this something. Thing. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know, to be honest. The face looks like a bear. <laughs> the face looks like it's like an angry bear with the two slanty eyes and then the big nose and oh. then there's like this creepy smile under it, which is really fucking weird. But <laughs> yeah, okay, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. But I, I'm used to uh, also fish mouth. You know, like a uh, the 2010s Mazdas as kind of a weird mouth where the grid was making a mouth uh, mm. from one of those weird like O-shaped fish about uh, the o-shaped mouth from fishes so yeah okay no uh you had to explain it to me uh, but i see it now that you explain it to me yeah i think this car is inoffensive i think it once you actually notice the black plastic i think it looks worse than it did before you told me that it was there mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like once you see it you can't unsee it which is kind of too bad right uh then i won't give you another uh, i won't tell you but there's I'll let you I'll let you as an exercise. What I tell told you about the the black plastic happens in a lot of small other places uh, in the yeah. car to make it look smaller than it is. And I think it's like it's kind of a magic trick, you know. Like n not only this car does that, a lot of cars are doing that these days. Uh, so sorry if I'm kind of stealing the s stealing this uh, not stealing but uh, telling you this uh, small trick. It's kind of one. Well, I mean coupled with my what i said about suvs earlier which is like i can't recognize what is and isn't an suv anymore right. because of the thing it's like i just thought this was straight up a normal mustang if like half these labels didn't see suv in them i would just think oh it's just a new mustang and like the camera is angled weird or something and it looks right. bigger than it is or something yeah there's yeah. a weird optical illusion <laughs> oh my goodness mustang fans will We'll freak out at what you said, but that's fun. <laughs> Sorry, fans. Um, <laughs> but they they don't listen to this show. I bitch about American cars all the time. That's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think like Mustangs aren't really for me visually, but I think it looks within what I would expect from the brand and it's like coherent and everything. The thing that really like bothers me is the, well, I don't know how recent these interiors are. Like I've seen a lot of photos of the 2021 interior. I don't know if that's the latest one. Yeah, yeah, it just got out. Okay, okay. It just looks like they glued an iPad Pro to the <laughs> in portrait to the <laughs> to the dashboard. And I know the aspect ratio is probably closer to 16 by 9 than uh, right. the 4 by 3 on the iPad Pro, but it's just this giant screen, which I mean like it looks goofier than on the Teslas that had that screen. Yeah, because uh, with the Model S, when it was vertical, it was way more integrated to the console than it is. It, I, do, I do agree with you that this one, it, it is This kind just of glued looks in. glued on. Like, right. It's like, what the hell were they thinking? Uh, uh, yeah, it yeah. kind of reminds me of what they've done right now with the Model, Model 3, which is literally like kind of glued on horizontally on top of the dash and poof, that's it. And again, I think that that touches some of the 
A, we're trying some futuristic, quote-unquote, things. And just gluing up an iPad, quote-unquote, uh, in the middle of the console is a bit of that. Also, like, these photos are a little weird. Is there an actual, like, physical knob at the bottom of the oh, screen? Oh, yes. That's funny that you mentioned that. So they've realized that people will like knob and they like the feel. <laughs> and yes. they built a knob that is glued on, but that simulates that you're doing the rotation with your finger. So when you turn the knob, it's a physical one that turns, but it is simulating the touch events for you. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. yeah. Because they, they that really... That sounds more complicated than actually just having a normal knob there. Right, because a lot of those, a lot of the interfaces, like all of the HVAC controls will be on the screen. But they wanted the knob, I think it's the knob for the volume or it could be also for uh, temperature. Oh, okay. But they, 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 I think it was kind of like focus group. People wanted a knob, so f let's figure it out. I would really be curious. Like, fuck the rest of the car. I just want to try this knob. <laughs> the knob seems really interesting. Uh, yep. Every time I heard that it was faking touches and blah, 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 I was like, I want to try this knob. I want to see if it really feels like a real knob, but also feel like somebody is doing the, the round gesture to increase or decrease the volume. Uh, so like five years from now, when we're all vaccinated and we can go outside again, I want to go test drive this car <laughs> with you just so I can go fuck around with the knob. <laughs> Good. Anything else about the Mackie? No, I think that's it. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so that was section one, where it was I wanted to talk about some cars that are already out that I think it is worth your while. Um, again, I think Tesla is a safe value for this. So, uh, and I, I really thought that the Mackie is worth mentioning. It has been teased for at least eighteen months. I think it was officially announced in twenty eighteen. Something like that. Late 2018, saying it was coming out now, more or less. Or early 2019. So I'm really eager to see that. Now let's move to section two, which is, I think, one of the two... It's the main theme of 2021. So electric cars has been out for a while. I think lots of companies have been somewhat successful at doing cars and SUVs. Now, 2021 is the year of the electric pickup truck. Oh no. Oh yes, tonight we'll be talking about pickup trucks. And it's funny because I'm not the biggest fan of pickup trucks, but I think there's are interesting thing. And let's start with Rivian. So Rivian is a startup that is trying to become an electric car company. They've been out for I think oh, at this point 5 or 6 years, but they've been official that they're building the first electric pickup truck on the market. Uh, and I think they've been working on that for the last four years. So they've been like pretty vocal that they want to do this. So they're building two models called the R1T and the R2S. And I think you uh, have both pictures. And when you said I wanted to have SUV shaped SUVs, so they're like literally boxy, uh, the Rivian models are exactly that. So the R1T yeah. is the pickup truck which is quite boxy. And the R1S is the SUV version. So imagine you cover the tunnel with, uh, you cover the the, yeah, the box of the pickup truck with the tunnel and then you make it a habitable. So it's an habitat. Uh, that becomes like, I think the best example is kind of a Chevy Suburban type of big SUV, seven-seater. Seven it reminds me of Land Rovers. Yes, yes, you can. It, it does have... Oh, that's a good point. 
It, like, I think the shape is very Land Rover. Yeah. I don't know about, like, the feature set, but... Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, too, because one thing that is interesting with Rivian is a lot of their marketing is around active people. And I think mm. we've talked a bit about that in the past, especially when we were talking about a lot of Subarus, especially your one. <laughs> uh, like, while... And I want to come to that a bit later because I want to talk about another one that is also aimed at, I think, the same demographic, which is not what I consider typical pickup buyers. Uh, but before we go there, like Rivian is supposed to be the first one to come up with an electric pickup truck. So they're like in the US, I think in Canada is a bit delayed, but in the US, they're supposed to be launched in the next six months. Whether they will hit this deadline or not, it's going to be their first car out as a car manufacturer so i'm here to see if it's going to happen you know if it we're talking about ford or gm or even a bit tesla even if tesla is known to hit their deadlines pretty frequently like they have at least a track record of something rivian has none right now so we'll see if they'll hit that but if you google quickly you'll be able to see like uh they've been doing a lot of prs i think uh if you watch some of the uh like desert races that uh that happened in the past few years you will have seen people race with rivian pickup trucks uh so you see them a bit in the wild but not like in your neighborhood but i mean on the internet uh pretty good pickup like they're like a great amount of towing capacity 11000 pounds which i guess it's good. Uh, one thing I've really liked in is that they are already upfront about what will happen when you use this pickup to tow. Because when you tow, you're less efficient and you're big. You're towing big weight. Let me tell you, electrics are not really great at towing because they lose a lot of their capacity. But uh, Rivian is really upfront saying, if you tow at full capacity, so eleven thousand pounds, uh, assume that. 50% of your range will just go away. So you only have, let's say, I think they were saying like 300 miles with this pickup truck. Uh, sorry, I don't have the exact conversion uh, at on top of my head. But they would say like 150 more or less when you tow, which is not so great. But you can assume that you consume a lot of gas when you tow with a pickup truck. So I'm not surprised uh, because of that, because we haven't figured out a way to be a bit more efficient or uh, the technologies to quickly recharge are there, but maybe not as efficient for like, you need to stop every like 160 kilometers, 200 kilometers because you're char- you're towing a lot of like a navy payload uh, that it is worthwhile. So that's why I'm not surprised that those car companies are maybe pushing more on the off-roader side of things or the explorer type of things or the camping users or the mountain bike users because you don't have a big payload to have around with you and that i think that's why also riven is going to if they meet the deadline they're having reliable cars they offer a good after sale service i think they'll be successful because they have thought of okay the electric motors are way smaller than a gas engine, so it gives us way more space in the vehicle. What can we do with it? And they have a lot of a lot of storage spaces that can be adapted to have camping gear, uh, which is quite interesting. If you remember the uh, Pontiac Aztec of the two thousands, which is never in, forget. <laughs> with, which, if you recall, there was a factory option to get a tent, an integrated yep. tent for this car. Uh, 
like the Rivian, if you look on the website, I don't know if it's an option, but they show it in that type of scenarios, like where people are out with it. Uh, there's a tent and there's a kitchen right. thing. And the kitchen get. thing is the right, it's quite interesting, is it's a compartment behind your second row of seats, but before the pickup bed starts. And I play. I, I would have assumed that this place is either reserved in the past for a gas tank on stuff, but because... Again, as we discussed with the marquee, you just have a long, flat battery pack, which is kind of a, a, a component of the cars or the pickup structure. It frees up a lot of space for other things. So one of the options is to have a camping gear. And I think it's a, it's a kind of a kitchenette that you can have there, uh, which seems pretty interesting. And of course, um, I think Riven is a good example of... I don't. I forgot who's the owner and blah blah. But like, it's a car designed in California for the <laughs> art dozy type of like the Northwest or the the, the Pacific side of the coast uh, people. Because you see surf, or you would see it in the snow with which will be more for Quebec and Canada uh, with, with skis or with snowboards. So, uh, and I do like the look. I do like the interior. Yeah, it's it, really, it looks real nice. It really looks nice. I agree with you. So this one for me, even if I'm not a pickup truck fan, uh, nor big SUV type of person, I'm really eager to see what they'll do in this market because I believe on paper, they seem to have a great product, something that will solve problems that people might have today in a different way. So I'm really eager to see what they do. Uh, again, a couple of release dates. Like I said, uh, the most expensive, and you'll see it's a trend. Uh, even car manufacturers that are used to make a lot of cars uh, are launching launch editions. And usually those are the most expensive version because they're, and by getting them out at first, it makes the production line more uh, more profit at first, make it more feasible to invest more and do some tweaking because if you always focus for the cheapest version first, it's hard to be uh, to make some profit at first. So launch editions will be available in summer 2021 in the US. I guess if you ordered years ago, you'll be first if you want. In Canada will be uh, November 2021 and cheaper version with uh, smaller, with lower range or lower performance are slated in early 2022. So my hope is that they'll hit their deadline and if they do, they'll literally open the ball this year on the electric pickup truck front. Okay, anything else you want to add on maybe the designs and what you think about the Rivians? The headlights are really fucking weird. Yes, it's uh, a big it's light cute, bar. Yeah, it reminds me of the back of the PlayStation 4 controller. <laughs> the big light bar and the two little beeps for the eyes i don't know it's it's really cute i like it uh i think their colors are really good yes at least the ones that i've seen in these from i think the it's a slam dunk if you are into these kinds of vehicles yeah yeah uh the front faces and the, the light with the lights reminds me of a cute robot yeah yeah so, it almost has like a wally feel or something that's like, true I, w- I was about to say a pixar like type of robot but yeah wally is uh I wouldn't say Wally, but the uh, or actually no Tatbots. <laughs> yes, it's like the old Tweetbot icon. That's true. I was about to say more Eve, but not the uh, Wally, but uh, because yeah, yeah. it's the modern look. Uh, but yes, uh, I totally agree with you. Uh, which brings me 
to uh, if you're the different type of people uh, that were more used to oh, no. the pickups that are in today, uh, we'll talk about GM because GM is bringing back the Hummer uh, and not the way you think. Did it ever go away? Yes, the Hummer went away in 2008. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why do I keep seeing them everywhere? Um, because they're, I guess they're, people still love those products. But yeah, with the, the big... Uh, the big economical, economical fallout of 2008, uh, that is something that they stopped making around that time. Uh, and wow. even at that time, they were not making real, like, on V armors, like the, the one that were based on the uh, U.S. Army style. Uh, they weren't kind of making more just boxy SUVs. Uh, that yeah, I, it was like the H2 or whatever it was called. Uh, yeah, they, no, even the H3, which was more or less kind of... A, a smaller SUV that was not really a Hummer. Uh, even the oh. uh, the H2 was kind of dumbed down of the H1 or the MVs. Uh, but yeah, they were still making some. So yes, so GM uh, announced under and it's a weird because it's a weird strategy just on the naming and things is they're not reviving the brand. They're reusing the Hummer huh. nameplate as a model. So they're using their GMC brand, which is mainly it's only pickup trucks big suvs and small suvs so they're using this brand under the gm lineup to make what they call the gmc Hummer ev so yes they're bringing back the Hummer, but they're using the Hummer nameplate the same way that ford is using the mustang nameplate it's not a brand it's a nameplate so that's going to be interesting because like rivian it is a it's more or less aim at the same type of people, I would say. Because it has a lot of its own twist on being electric. Yes, for sure, it's fully electric. But also on offline, uh, offline, off-road capabilities. My goodness, <laughs> offline capabilities. That too, I guess. Uh, if you want to also go off the grid. But no, uh, off-road capabilities. I think uh, two things they mentioned is uh, like... Uh, I think it's a pneumatic air suspension or at least a suspension that can be raised quite high to go over obstacle when you're like rock crawling and stuff like that. And the other thing that they, that they called, they namely called crab walk. So if you know a crab, a crab can kind of walk, but walk on the side, like if walking like forward. Um, and they do that more or less by turning the back wheel the same way the front wheel turn. So they yeah, it makes it look like it's walking like a crab and of course it's a gimmick but it's a gimmick that they're trying to say like hey again because we don't have a transmission because we because we don't have drive shafts because we have small engines and we have, i think they have three so two in the back one in the front it allows us to have to make those weird feature where we can have wheels that are usually locked in place now move and move way more than like rear what the, some other cars has is rear, rear wheel steering which is kind of giving you a slight like one or two degree angle and not even two degrees uh but in here i think it can go like i think 10 or 15 degrees so you really can like maneuver tight space uh and they're saying like oh when you go rock crawling you can like maneuver between rocks by using that and for sure i would invite our listener to go on the gmc website and look at when they use this example i don't know how they've done that but they found the only path on the fucking planet that has kind of this like kink in the road (laughs) where of course the only car that does that can does that is if it can move literally like diagonal 
And guess what? That's what they show the feature. So of course, the PR people at GM were uh, pretty good on that. Um, one big thing too is it's another uh, it's another pickup truck that's getting really released. Again, pretty aggressive. Sadly, the aggressive lineup, uh, the aggressive rollout is not going to come in Canada. Uh, US should happen by the end of the year. They, they're saying currently right now, fall 2021. Um, Canada on the website says fall 2022. So even for the more expensive model, it seems that we won't be part of the first model year, which I guess is a bit disappointing. I could have seen a lot of people here. Like we have a big car pickup market still here too. I know in the US it's way bigger. Um, so, so I kind of would have wished that we get that here too at the same time as everyone it seems that canada will receive all the more expensive models at the same time that the u.s start delivering again a bit like rivian the cheaper versions that are less powerful have less range uh they're slowly but surely trickling out in 2022 up until fall 2022 and those will come to canada more or less at once so this is the one where maybe you want less I think this one has, and I'll say this word, I think this one has a more macho look. I think this one resembles more... More? Than the Rivian. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, sorry, okay. I, I forgot. It was like more than the original Hummer? No, no, like, no, 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 no. More than the Rivian. So I think this one, even if it has more off-road capabilities, surprisingly enough, I was coming through the, the website, nothing mentioned about towing capabilities. All the the PR speech right now is about how good it is off-road. But if you think about it, it's quite big to go off-road. So you need big big uh, like trails and stuff like that. So I'm eager to see for that. But macho, squared, not really like rounded off corners like Rivian is doing with their pickup truck. But that's kind of what the Hummer brand has always been about yes it's like i have a negative brand association with hummer because i just think of like the worst people in the world drive hummers it's like the thought process that goes into buying a hummer is like i'm buying this because it's environmentally unsound and good and bad for the world because mm-hmm. i want to leave my mark on the world and it is a mark that i am a badass toxic masculinity person and like that is the vibe that hummer has always like radiated for me Mm-hmm. And I don't think those people want to buy electric vehicles. That's going to be interesting because, again, the same way that a lot of the Mustang fans were like, "What the fuck, Mustang Mackey?" Like, kind of using nameplates from associated with the Mustang that the way people know it today. Uh, Armor, maybe too, but I think the where they're spinning, spinning it. Uh, if you were to take the model as it is presented today and would have put it like a GMC Sierra, which is their pickup lineup today, I don't think there's anything too much reminiscent of the Hummer itself to say, hey, this looks like an old Hummer. It's squared off, right? But I felt that if they would have put just, hey, it's the new Sierra EV, it's like, oh, okay, you just went on a different direction with your pickup truck. Like it's kind of a new spin on that pickup truck. Uh, I could see that, yeah. So, again, I think what Jim is doing here is, as they well know, they are uh, they know to, how to build popular and good pickup trucks. So it's I'm really eager to see because they'll be the first American manufacturer that build cars today and build pickup trucks today that will be out with an electric pickup truck. So yes, 
welcome to the Tesla Cybertruck. Uh, yes, Riven <laughs> is US, but I really mean like the big three, like Ram, mm. G- GM, and Ford. We'll talk about Ford soon enough, but GM will be out, will be the first one to be out with an electric pickup truck. And that's interesting. And still on my demographic point, like if you take out the previous Hummer buyers and Hummer fans and you just like say, okay, we're just targeting like active young people who want something that can off-road or whatever. Like, are those people going to want to be associated with having a Hummer branded vehicle? (laughs) Because they likely also have a negative association with the brand. It's like, I I don't know who is going to buy this product at all. I see what you mean, but I wonder if now, because it will be electric. First, let's be honest, to buy this, you need at least 135, 40K. Yeah, yeah, so no, you need to be a rich motherfucker uh, because literally those are not going to be the cheap model that you be shipped first. I think the cheapest model will be ending up like in a couple of years around 70 US, 70K USD. So, But if we go in the categories of rich motherfucker, there's like... <laughs> rich hipster motherfucker which is going to be like green and stuff and hummer has a bad reputation with fans of green things so they don't want to have the brand association and then you have the rich toxic motherfucker (laughs) who is the person who wants to buy the hummer except it's electric so they're not interested so like who's left i do wonder the same way that jeep is like (laughs) the off off off-road brand today i wonder if by attaching armor back to it, it will be like, you know what? The old armor was a piece of shit that consumed a lot of gas, but it can never be stuck anywhere. Mm. And then I'm talking about like the, the fake GMC, uh, Acadia, copy armor H3. I'm talking about H1 and even a bit of the H2. Like those were really good off-roaders still, even if they yeah. were like crazy drunk pe- person on gas like they were drinking so much gas so i think it's like if somebody that grew up with armor like you and i did if you think about it like 80s and 2000s was prime armor period you'd be like hey you know what i'm into off-roading but now i don't have the the guilt trip to say oh i'm buying something that consumes gas like this is electric and this is possibly giving me the positive side of armor so I'm eager to see what they'll bring up. But again, I don't expect this one to be bought by youngsters at first. Uh, I would maybe see more Rivian and maybe even the Cybertruck because the Cybertruck, and we'll slowly go there, uh, is kind of like spin-off at the, as the cool futuristic truck again. Again, that goes back with the Tesla brand where the futuristic <laughs> car manufacturer and the car brand... Uh, there's a lot to say about the Tesla Cybertruck, but I know. <laughs> um, but again, I think it is bringing good competition to the Cybertruck, the same way that the Rivian is, and also the Armor is for the Rivian. So again, good contender. But I think you bring good points. But I do think it will be popular in the US. Oh my god, it will be popular in the US. I, I think this is probably my least favorite of all of the cars. Note that I'm saying least favorite. I think the Cybertruck is the ugliest, but mm. I think this one is my least favorite. Oh, if that makes sense. Wow. Okay. Um, I was I'm a bit surprised by this statement. I'll be honest. I I just think the brand is poison. You don't no, no, want no, that I, brand on your chart. Okay. No, I understand this point. I'm still surprised that uh, even with the ugliness of the Cybertruck, you still think this one is worse. Because of the brand association, and that's totally fair. 
let's go to the Cybertruck. Um, oh no. <sighs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I haven't seen this thing in like six months, so I'm just remembering right. what all its and glory. You know I don't even want to talk. I don't even want to talk about the lunch. I don't want to even talk about the failure that the bulletproof glass are not bulletproof. <laughs> I I still haven't seen that. Oh man, oh man, that's it's just that on paper, and I'll try to put a link in the show notes. I think, uh, again, I think I've been pretty vocal to you, Yannick, personally, but I really enjoy what. Doug DeMiro is doing on YouTube for the recent years. I think at first it was a bit weird on YouTube, but I think he, he found his niche and he's really good at that. And he had a lot of great comments about the Cybertruck. Tesla right now is making, and I think it boils down to that. Tesla is making most the most, the most now it's not the well-rounded, but the most performant electric cars on the market. They have the best range, they have the best tech, and they are great cars still. Even if you might not like their minimalist interior, I'm a bit on that camp. They're it's hard to say they're bad cars. I think that's unfair if you were to say that. So Model 3 is really great. Model S is quite great. Um, I haven't seen Model Y too much in the real life, but I assume it's a bigger Model 3. But the Cybertruck, if you put it next to even the Rivian and stuff, it's kind of start to fall flat. And even compared to other pickup trucks. And the way they're trying to spin it as kind of this futuristic pickup truck is like, okay, sure. But I think... Again, putting back to Rivian, I think Rivian, with their designs, it might not be as left field as what the Cybertruck is, but it. I see. I look at the Rivian, and I'm really eager to see one in person because it looks futuristic. It looks to me like it's an EV, but it's not too much. Unlike I'm trying to be something cool. I'm just trying to be a nice electric vehicle. Rivian is friendly futuristic. It's kind of like the same brand affinity we would have for like Apple or something like that. Or Mm. like when Sony was doing the Shibuya style products, like I mentioned on that episode. Whereas Cybertruck is like, Elon got high one night (laughs) and then he watched a lot of cyberpunk movies and he was like, yeah, this is what's going on. This is what my truck's going to look like. And... That's fair. It has less polygons than most cars in PlayStation 1 racing games. That is fair. That is fair. Again, um, if you were to put up, like the Tesla technology into this, um, I think because of that, it will end up being the one with the most range, the one with the most power. Uh, so I'm not surprised by that. But man, the looks make it. The looks makes it hard to sell. And guess what? We haven't even seen the interior yet. Which that is. I was gonna ask about that. I yeah. don't think we even seen the interior yet. And you know what? Maybe some of the Tesla fans will like eight tweet us saying like, "Oh yes, it's out. It's amazing." Just don't put Tesla in the name in the tweet for the <laughs> podcast, and we're fine. That's true. That is true. Uh, but I think it's telling that all the other pickup competition. Except like all the two ones that we've been talking today that are getting released this year, they have shown everything about those trucks. And maybe not fully everything, because even if you go on YouTube, like people were able to literally sit in pre-prod, uh, pre-prod cars of the the Hummer EV. Um, I think with Riven, it may be less like that, but like there's a lot of like videos or even like photos on their own website. But literally, if you go on the Tesla website and you go for, uh, I forgot where it is, but if you go for the Cybertruck somewhere on their website, uh, it only shows the exterior model of it being the ugly piece of shit it is. 
Uh, and they said it's this year? Yes. Yes. Surprisingly enough, it is uh, late 2021 for, of course, the most expensive model that toes the much, the, the most. Uh, again, from all the ones we've seen today, uh, 14,000 pounds, which is three pounds more, 2,000 pounds more than the Rivian. So again, big towing capacity. Uh, even for a pickup top, it's not so big. But uh, for the electric ones, it will be the biggest to date. Uh, but yeah, if I look at the picture, we don't really see too much of the interior. And even the name is fucking like cyberpunk font. Um, I think it's going to turn out like cyberpunk 2077. Oh, that's a fair statement. Because there's a lot of commonalities between what you're describing and what happened with that game, which is there is a ton of hype. There is radio silence for a really long time. And I think when this comes out, it's going to bomb and it's going to be considered a failure. Mm, yeah, I, I kind of wonder if it, it will. It even sort of looks like it was rendered on base PS4 in <laughs> Cyberpunk 2077. Yes. Again, like just to give you a different example, uh, the Roadster, which is at least two or three years away um, from what I read. Yes, we've already seen mock-ups of the interior, which again, uh, it looks futuristic, like the typical, and that's where also we've seen the first uh, iteration of their like kind of non-steering wheel, steering wheel. Uh, so again, I didn't watch the rewatch, also the announcement, but the fact that there's no press picture of that kind of worries me because it sounds like an empty shell. Yeah, if I stop being a cynical piece of shit and I put myself in the in the uh, point of view of, uh, let's say, tech lovers and gadget lovers, because I guess technically that's what we are, there is a certain mystique that is missing nowadays with all of the coverage we have and uh, embargo reviews and all of that stuff of devices, which is you don't really get the joy of unwrapping something mm -hmm. and feeling like you're discovering something new for the first time. Right. And to some extent, like I think maybe they're trying to keep the mystique of this product high so that people who get their hands on it first, although like you know if there's going to be embargo reviews and coverage all over the place so it's like they're not really going to do this probably but like you can try and keep the hype and the mystique going for this product until the very latest before it comes out to try and preserve that kind of feeling of like we're unwrapping the christmas presents together and this is something that very few people have had to play with and i'm going to as this rich motherfucker i'm going to have the <laughs> chance to experience my treat and feel like a special person for like three months or whatever. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's what they're going for. To a certain degree, like there was a little bit of that with the iPhone where like pre-launch coverage of the iPhone was very select and you didn't really know what you were going to have in your hands with the iPhone until like after you got it home and you got it activated and you're like, oh my God, this changes everything. Right. And maybe they're trying to go for that, but I don't think... Uh, Purchase as expensive as a car is the place to do that. I think if you want to do that, be a tech gadget company and release tech gadgets like that. But don't do that with a truck. Yeah, but it's it seems to work with Tesla. And you know what? That's I the guess. brilliant <laughs> of their PR strategy. It has, is that it works. And for that, 
they need to be acclaimed, but doesn't mean that I do like the Cybertruck. Uh, again, for all the dumb shit they do, we keep talking about them, so it was working. Agreed. Agreed. So, I want to conclude this part. I have another pickup truck to talk about, but it's not coming out until uh, we don't really know at this point. Rumors are <laughs> mid-2022, mid-2023. Like because I think this one will also be disruptive, but not for the reasons you might think. But those through, if at the end of 2022, uh, 21, excuse me, or early 2022, those three are already out. Journalists have them. Some owners have them. That's going to be a great American battle. And let me out for a sec. And I think that's what fascinates me so much these days with electric cars is, I think it's fair to say that Yannick and I, and even a lot, most people listening to the podcast, is too young to have lived in the 10s and the 20s and the 30s where a shit ton of car manufacturer existed because there was a lot to invent about the car still at that time and it was kind of the crazy portion of the car the cast car and blah 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 they, they had weird pedals and stuff like that and i feel that we are kind of slowly but surely reliving that with the electric car it's, it's kind of like this inventiveness of people uh, is happening that and again for this year it seems to be that it's going to be the attack of the pickup trucks uh and even if i'm not the biggest pick, fan of pickup trucks i think they're useful for their purposes so i wouldn't drive down drive one around just for the sake of driving one around even if i have fun with my brother's pickup truck sometimes uh but i think having like three american companies competing for this market which is a up market here in canada and the u.s is going to be quite interesting to watch. Not for far, but just to watch overall and see how it will evolve, where electric cars goes, what technologies that will bring back to cars itself uh, that can be maybe put on a $150,000 pickup truck that can be slowly but surely tickled down to a $50,000 cars uh, to improve, I don't know, efficiencies or range because when you tow, it uses a lot of energy, you're less efficient, Maybe there's a way to recoup that. So early 22, if we're lucky, three pro cup trucks, a lot of people fighting on the internet. Maybe I'll dislike this part, but I'm already eagerly awaiting those like car reviews, whether they're on YouTube, whether they're in books and journalists and, and not in journalists, but in magazines. I'm really waiting like this kind of like mashup of like those three fighting for uh, attention. I think that's really nice. Now for the last pickup truck, and this one, I don't have a picture for you because I don't, I've seen uh, too much concepts. The only real photos we've seen were literally the current pickup truck, but with an electric powertrain. And we had to believe Ford here, <laughs> and I'll tease it, because uh, that's when they did a, a marketing stunt of the fake consumer, but they are paid to come. So the idea is they add a, a F-150 prototype that had a fully electric powertrain that was towing a million pound plus of uh, of a train containing current f-150 uh, pickup trucks gas powered but to say that oh even if it's electric it's going to be as powerful as blah 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 so it's a bit of a marketing gimmick there nonetheless a feat uh, but then why do i believe that the f-150 if it becomes electric will be interesting is because i think it will be a pickup truck with an electric powertrain it won't be crazy 
I don't think, and I mean, I could be surprised, but I don't think Ford will disrupt the F-150 just to make it electric. They'll make it electric and call it a day. Why? Because Ford, I don't have the number in the US, but Ford in Canada has been the, the or I shouldn't say the, only the F-150, but the F-Series or the F-250, all their F-Series pickup truck is the most sold pickup truck in Canada for 54 years. And they love to brag about this. So if they bring this to the market, they want to bring it in a way that they want to convert people that buy their pickup truck and truckload, sorry for the bad pun, to keep being the best sellers of pickup trucks. And I don't think doing something as crazy as a Cybertruck or even as what GM is doing with the Armory EV or even Rivian is what will sell, make Ford sell them a truckload. So I think they'll be directly hitting current buyers and not only newcomers or early adopters. They'll bring a product to the market that will solve their need. And I think a good example of that is in 2021. So that was uh, that just got released uh, late last fall as a model year for 2021. Is they now have a version of the F-150 with a mild hybrid system. But one thing that they are doing with this mild hybrid system is it can be a power generator. So you can power your power tools on the, like on the construction site. And of course... That's genius. Yeah, and depending on different... Like you can do it on gas power cars, but for sure the one that is that has the hybrid system gives you the most power. Yeah. And, and that is really like listening to or not maybe not listening to a customer but like looking at your customer needs and see how you can evolve them one thing at a, at a time and that since i've seen reviews in the past few months about that i was like this is genius and i expect ford exactly doing that by going all electric is the pickup truck will look exactly the same but it will take its powertrain and use its advantages for people that using them like in a ranch, and I'm sorry, I'm using like, like cliche US stuff, but like in a ranch, like my brother that goes like on construction site, well, on construction site, maybe he's not using that today, but for some people, they may be in the middle of the wood and they want to have some power tools while they do uh, repairs on their chalet, something like that. And that's when those features are useful. And it doesn't look very like this. It's like, I want the new F-150. Hey, guess what? The new one is electric, so it's cheaper on gas. Yeah, this one of all of the cars that we've sp- spoken about so far, it feels like the Generation 1 M1 Mac of pickups. Right. Where we're basically taking this very safe, very uh, popular design and we're just replacing the internals. So I think if you look at the the needs of the actual F-150, like target market, and not just people who buy it because they think it looks cool, and you mm-hmm. manage to give them something that's actually useful, that uh, benefits from the uh, electric drive train and all that stuff, I think that's brilliant, and it's probably going to work really well for at least that segment of consumers. I'm a little bit less convinced about the lifestyle people, though. Yeah, and I think that's where the other companies will attract the lifestyle people. Wh- whether it is like the off-roaders I always discuss or the campers or just the people that want the, na- the nice cold car, which a lot of people do. And people, some people also buy pickup trucks. But I wonder if they'll lose too much of that because you could say, hey, it's the first F-150 that is electric. 
So yeah, so the F-150 electric, uh, that's why I kind of separated from the rest is because uh, this one is clear, not coming out this year, nor maybe even next year. Uh, but I think this one will be the one to reckon with when it gets out. But hopefully it won't get out too far away. Uh, again, I expect some delays from the three other ones that we mentioned. So maybe Ford's timeline will fit correctly. But I expect this one will be a power force when it gets out because of the presence and the um, the popularity of the F-Series in Canada and in QS. Uh, so eager to see what Ford's does there. And that concludes this section about pickup trucks. Uh, so the next section is about the... The other thing I see, so again, I focus out of like pickup trucks. I think 2021 was going to be the year of pickup trucks for electric cars. Uh, be the other trend that I see is the influx of electric cars from current manufacturers. A lot of them have, have slowly but surely woken up. It was like, oh my God, diesel is not the right thing. <coughs> um, so uh, some of them are waking up and investing in uh, electric. Uh, and a good example of that is uh, Volkswagen. Uh, and it's funny because two of the three models I'll be talking about, uh, sorry if you're from Europe, because you'll be like, why are you talking about this car like it's the new shit? It's already out here. Uh, sadly, uh, the Volkswagen ID.4 uh, and its uh, brother, cousin, however you want to call it, uh, the ID3, uh, is already out in Europe. Uh, and it's not out here. And I don't think the ID3 is as planned today to come here. So uh, Volkswagen has some experience with electric cars. Uh, they've had for a couple of years now uh, the their popular Volkswagen Golf as an EV model, which I've seen some success. Uh, it's not bad, but again, range was not so great. Uh, the Volkswagen ID is their new lineup of cars came, that came out from, oh crap, diesel is bad. Uh, <laughs> and there's kind of, oh, but now we look at the future. Future is electric. Future is so good. Electricity is so good. Uh, but the ID brand is supposedly going to be their electric car brand. Uh, not brand, but sub-brand. And you'll see this is kind of the trend in this section is current manufacturers are kind of waking up and be like, oh my God, we need to do something about electric cars. And they're kind of slowly but surely adapting current cars and kind of creating a sub-brand for them. So uh, the ID3, not available here, is going to be more or less typical hatchback car uh, that will be really popular in Europe. That's the type of car the Europeans <laughs> buy a lot. That's the type of car Quebecers, surprisingly, a lot, uh, buy a lot. Like, we love small car years. For sure, in the past, recent year, we're following the trend of, like, those crossover SUV. And that's what the ID4 is, is the, the S, uh, SUV crossover equivalent with all-wheel drive, which has been pretty popular. And it is more or less like you could take a, you could, you could take the Tiguan. It looks like a Tiguan, but it's not. It's a bit more like again. It looks like other product in their lineup, without looking too much at product in the lineup. Because again, they they, they want to capture this sense of it's a future. It's the future. We're changing our brand, and but again, like the model, uh, the not the model, like the Mustang Mach-E, uh, it does show that they want to 
stay familiar. They want to keep they can want to keep the vehicle familiar because they know moving electric is a big change and it has different trade-offs. So if you look at the interior, like it's kind of like you could see familiar designs with current Volkswagen products. It feels part of the family, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Yes, because it does look similar to existing product, yeah. even in the interior. It's not a bold statement. Even if they, they, they have a lot of marketing to say that they are making a bold move <laughs> in the future. And surprisingly enough, the uh, ID subcategory or sub-brand is supposedly be including the return of the popular for literally decades of the uh, Volkswagen bus. Nice. And they, yeah, they have a prototype that uh, I've been shown in CS a couple of years back. Uh, I think it's the ID bus, funnily enough, called. Uh, so yeah, so expect to see more about Volkswagen. But this is to me a clear example of what car manufacturers are doing today. Is like, oh my god, we need to adapt quickly. What can we do? Take a take a of like, take a designer, make it look futuristic. But don't make it too much expensive. So I would expect this car, 50, 60K. Again, it is expensive, but that's where the bottom line is right now for electric cars. Yes, you have the Leaf that may be a bit more cheaper than that, but you don't have enough range compared to those cars where you get 300 to 400 kilometers of range. Uh, so they will be more or less 50 to 60k so right enough to get all the rebate the government rebates here because i think the maximum limit is 65k here so that for a car like this you will get $14,000 of discounts $13,000 of discounts here backed by the federal and provincial government so it does bring those price down to uh an expensive SUV, so like something more like in the 40k range, so like an expensive SRV, uh, C Honda CRV, an, exp- an expensive Mazda MX-5. So it makes it easier for people to switch to them. Of course, not everybody can switch to them, but it's being more product in that type of the market, which is pretty popular. And Daniel, you want to add about the ID4? Okay. Um, uh, yeah, the car just looks stupid and white. Uh, the black plastic, like. It's on the bottom of the car, just looks ridiculous with the white. I think if you use a dark color, like there, there's a really nice blue on this car. Uh, the black plastic just sort of blends in and it looks really nice. Alternatively, there is a yellow that is super nice with the black. It like complements the yellow very well. So that's very nice. So on the interior side, I think this one is notable because I think it's the first vehicle whose interior we've seen so far that has a reasonably sized touch screen. All the other ones are like <laughs> iPad Pro 12.9. Now that's too small. We need a bigger screen. And then they're like, yeah, maybe the size of about an iPhone XR is the right size for our infotainment display. Yeah, and this one, again, I, th- I think that's why this one makes it more familiar to yeah. car people might have today. Because people have cars today that they have iPhone XR size screens. Yeah. So I think this car in general is a very good looking car and it's probably the nicest one we've seen so far, except for maybe the Rivian. Mm, Okay, okay. I hope that the next few cars are going to change that because styling is okay. Although I I will say I am generally a Volkswagen design fan. 
um, usually on the smaller end of things. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I like their design language in general, so I'm predisposed to liking this one. Okay, that, that's fair. Uh, I'm less of a fan of their SUV design language, and this one is a bit too too much on that front. Uh, I feel that the uh, Volkswagen Auto Group, so VAG is better in their other brands. And speaking of other brands, let's talk about the Audi, Audi e-tron GT. And this one is like, like off the press. It was not supposed to be included in the podcast until it got announced literally two days ago before <laughs> we recorded. So the week the podcast will be released to others is uh, where that got announced. So it's coming soon. It's announced and coming soon. But what's interesting is a couple of months back, uh, Porsche announced their Taycan model, but this is exactly the same car, just with Audi design. So same style of car, kind of like sporty Forder sedan, looks beautiful. Like the Taycan is amazing. The way the swooping line in Porsche designs are like pretty good in my book. Uh, for sure, Taycan is way, way, way expensive. Uh, so no, I haven't seen too much price, but I, I I didn't assume they would do that. They so they would bring the technology behind the tech, the Taycan to Audi models. Uh, but now that I think of it, it is a it's it's a common pattern. Like uh, the VAG, like the Volkswagen Auto Group, is doing that a lot recently with Porsche, Audi, and even Lamborghini. If you take some of their powertrains, uh, you can find the same V8 under the Porsche Panamera, the Audi A7 and S7, and same thing with the Cayenne and the Q7, or even uh, the new Lamborghini Urus, which is their new SUV. Like There's a lot of part sharing. So now that I was preparing to it and they got released, I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Like uh, Volkswagen Zugov is real, really well known to... Uh, do a lot of part sharing to optimize costs. So that does make sense that they do that for their electric vehicle. But even if there's based on the same underlying electric technology and the same car platform, I do feel that what we've seen so far about the e-tron GT brings Audi design, which is completely different to Porsche design. It's a bit busier, I would say, Uh, especially their interior. But I think they make beautiful interior and they were able to take that and make it Audi versus just a poor clone of uh, the Taycan. So I think they might offer the same performances in the end because same, literally same technology under it, but uh, with different trade-offs. I wouldn't be surprised that, you know what, the Taycan's ride is a bit rougher than the e-tron GT, that it's more kind of a... a as its name suggests, a grand touring car, GT. So that you might have as as crazy performance versions. Uh, so for people that like, again, go on long, like they, they need to be on the road a lot for their uh, for their work, but they want to be in a nice place. All the interior are of a nice place. And also I would imagine that the, 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 the it would provide a smooth ride to its customers have you seen the ridiculous prototype version of this car it looks like a gaming pc a little bit it's like black uh, and red and shit it's fucking crazy yeah 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 because that was like again uh in the past 10 years audi has been sponsoring the marvel movies so a ah. lot of car 
prototypes even that i was reading that we've i forgot but we've seen that in avengers and game it seems that the the concept version of that car was there so i was like oh, okay maybe if i remember that part i would have been less surprised that that was coming but that, i digress but yeah if you've seen the tycon and i would strongly invite you to put two pictures next to it especially here i'm on the od canada okay canada canadian canadian website uh-huh. oh my goodness thank you you'll make fun of me again uh it's kind of a, a two-thirds profile view and that it's like looks exactly familiar like the porsche tycon but the front is a bit different it brings this uh corporate grid look grid yes grill look my goodness i was about to say that uh audi is bringing to uh, their other models which makes this more familiar to the audi lineup of cars anything on your side about uh, the e-tron gt I think it looks like an Audi. I don't particularly <laughs> have any strong feelings about it. It no, it's fine. The prototype, on the other hand, is fucking crazy, and I want to drive that in Gran Turismo. Yeah, one thing that Audi as pioneer that you see there, but it's now in Volkswagen products and a lot of Porsche products and a lot of Lamborghini products, is what they call virtual cockpit, which is replacing the gauge cluster with the whole screen. Oh, I haven't but seen the internal. What they have done great and that's not new for the e-tron they've been doing that thing for three or four i think since 2016 2017 uh or maybe 2015 but what they've been good at is it forces you to use their the navigation system of the car but the way they bring up a full map view and i think their map system is based on google maps too so to go back to the follow-up where ford will also again google map uh, functionality with android automotive os not saying that the audi is using that but Imagine that your gauge cluster, which is not a gauge cluster, it's a screen, is literally your full driving directions, like full screen. Mm-hmm. And this makes for something, uh, f- makes for so much uh, more ergonomic for uh, navigation system than just looking at the GPS. Or I hate somebody, I utterly despise having the GPS tell me what to do. <laughs> like, ah, oh, I, I don't mind like having the route, but having the voices that talk to me, yeah. I don't know why, but I don't like that when I'm driving. So it's always on mute and I don't have that in my car and I wish I do because everything I've seen, all the videos I've seen, it looks amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a small corner. A lot of them, they have kind of a, like you have, you have your new your digital gauges and then a portion of that is just configurable. You can show your music that's playing or you can show more gauges from the car. Uh, and or navigation this one you can have a mode that is full screen and looks amazing last car in the list of like what i envision that uh is the vision of car manufacturers with car electric is called the mercedes-benz eqc uh which is again already up already out in europe but it's from their eq sub brand and the idea behind the eq nomenclature is to again design a new electric lineup which is a mix of cars and suv guess what volkswagen is doing the same and a lot of other companies are doing the same uh what's interesting though is how uh, mercedes-benz is using their nomenclature like a b c uh no yes they have the b they have the c uh the e series the l the s series they're using those same letters to define the size of the car and whether it's a whether it's an suv so you have like the a class you have the gla which means the suv version of the a class 
and they're keeping that but for the eq depending of which letter they use so let's say the the eqc will be the equivalent of what is called the mercedes-benz glc right now which is their i think it's compact class suv uh, but if you, I think they are also planning to have an EQA, which will be a small electric car. Uh, so interesting because again, this one is like you take something you're familiar with, a bit like the Ford F one fifty electric prototype. People will know it. You don't really change it too much, especially the interior. Mercedes Benz interior in the last ten years are amazing. They're like. And you get similar interiors for like 50k on a small car to 100k. Like, yes, the material will evolve, but the design language doesn't change too much. So you feel, and especially in their cheaper model, that what you get for your price is way more. You pay, you get way more than what you pay for. So that's really nice for the cheaper model. Maybe a bit less nice for uh, the more expensive model, but they do make up by giving you more uh, material options. And that will that will be the same like the EQC interior. If you were to put a picture of the uh, GLC interior, pretty similar. Uh, the recent uh, they call it the MBUX system, so MBUX uh, infotainment system from our from Mercedes Benz seems to be pretty good. Uh, you see this one. I'm eager to get your opinion on this one because um, I'm just trying to find a picture quickly because it's it, it imagine. I'm looking at a picture of it right now in the okay. interior. It, it, I'm trying to find one. Oh, yes. So imagine, and I'll describe it for our listeners. Imagine three iPad mini. Three? I only see two. Yeah, it's like, I think it's size-wise. Oh, it's, okay. it's two screens, but size-wise, like in length, like put like three iPad mini on the horizontal axis, one after the other. And that's what describes your gauge cluster that is digital plus the main infotainment system but it's a one big panel that is only split by piano black plastic in the middle uh but it makes for perfect uh interior i really enjoy that but that type of design is something you all can already get today and i i guess that's the, maybe that's the moral of this episode is i don't mind electric car at all i do like well-made interiors and I don't want that to get to go away. So it seems that with the car, the electric cars, that we go away from that or we go more futuristic minimalist, I'm less inclined to be uh, like happy or big proponent of those interiors or even those styles than uh, what people do today that is great. I guess comparing this to the Volkswagen where I said like the display is just the right size for me because to some degree, and I think this is also a recurring topic on ATP, is uh, software developers hate software because if people make software that we think is not good, then we have to deal with it. Um, and I think the issue with all of these big screens replacing various functionality of the car that are done reliably by buttons or whatever is that sometimes they're wrapped in software that is complete and utter garbage. And uh, at least in my evaluation of these things, well, especially in my case, because I don't drive, uh, the aesthetic of the uh, software interface is actually important to me uh, because if I'm going to be in the car and I'm staring at these screens some of the time, uh, I at least want the information to be presented in an aesthetically pleasing way. And so far, like none of these cars have had anything remotely decent in my eyes. Mm -hmm. um, and like this Mercedes thing is unacceptable. Like that... <laughs> 
Like the car itself is fine, but the <laughs> right, right. stuff that's rendered on the screen is unacceptable. I would never tolerate this in my car. Okay, uh, fair point. I can tell you it's quite fluid. The interface is uh, rapid. It like f- respect your touch and everything. It's even if you might not be uh, the biggest fan of the design itself, uh, like it's really good on that front. I imagine that there's probably some decent usability in there, but I just don't like looking at it, looking at it. <laughs> which is totally fine. Which is to- totally fair, excuse me. Totally fair. And like the big EQ logo in the Android-ish font, it's like, what the fuck is that? Anyway, I- I- I'm done, but like, yeah, the-, the car itself seems fine. I'm not a fan of the Mercedes aesthetic. Again, like you didn't change my mind with the Volkswagen. It's still my favorite of that this gang uh, or okay. second place to Interesting. the second place to the rivian uh overall but like it's the software is bad (laughs) good so my last car which will conclude this section because i want to talk about this one but i didn't have really like a team for all those sections so i want to talk about this one before talking about the future uh, which will bring me to some news uh is the lucid motor so it's kind of the in between section three and four Let's put it this way. It's a it's a it's a bonus car. Uh, so Lucid has been a pretty interesting company. Again, like Rivian, they were kind of they're out there. They like we know they exist. Maybe they're being less public about what they do, but they were pretty vocal at saying say a we're going to outpace or out Tesla Tesla, which is interesting because I think they have a they have a strange product to do that for twofold i think if you look at the designs i think this is tonight one of the more pod shaped cars that we've seen even if you ignore like even if we put chrome crossover i don't know what about the designs maybe it's even the front that looked literally like some like futuristic car that we've seen in movies but even the way the roof slope in the back, and I need to find you a picture of the way the trunk opens. It's super <laughs> weird. Uh, and it really f- makes me feel that, you know what? This is kind of like, I it gets to my place, I sit in, and it drives. If the Cybertruck is angular cyberpunk, this is rounded cyberpunk. Oh, that's a good way to say it. That is a good way to say it. I would, like, I would look at this, and if it really comes out in... Uh, early twenty, like they say, spring twenty twenty one for the again for the most expensive version. Uh, if it comes out this spring, the way it looks, this is going to be literally a concept car on the road, mm-hmm. like as a manufacturer, uh, because I would imagine car manufacturer bring that to car shows and saying, "Oh, this is a concept," and then like having to dilute it back. I think I've seen a Dodge that looks like this a couple of years ago. Yeah, maybe with the... I forgot, but I, I, it's not the first time you see those kind of like thin light bar at yeah. the front. Uh, but they always dilute it back. There's always maybe a regulation or like like the like, like pipeline processes that like it makes it more expensive to build a car this way so they don't do it. But then you open the door to this car and you go see the interior and that's where I think it kills this first impression <laughs> because while i think they're like outside you look at the car it looks like a car that's just like driving you around the interior is more or less saying like 
we want to be a good electric car, but we want to be a luxury electric car. Yeah. And I think that's where Tesla, I would say, failed about that. Is at first it was like, oh yeah, we're expensive, but you know, it's about the tech, but also we'll try to give you like nice things. No, they never went there. Like they, they, their interior compared to a lot of other things, it's not so great. And if Lucid is able to give you for more or less, I shouldn't say the same price because those are quite expensive. I see the numbers like one, one sixty one five hundred USD dollars for the Dream Edition, which is I guess their launch edition. That would be the first one out. So. $161,500 is expensive for a car. Let me tell you, you can get a lot of cars for this price. As it's like even close to, um, to, uh, Taycan money, which again, you would get maybe a more, um, a more sports car, but here you like, you full, you go on fully luxury. You look at the interior and it seems to be a nice place to be. It, uh, it seems to assume that you'll need to spend a lot of time in it. So it's going to be comfortable for you to drive it for hours and hours and be a nice place to be. The back seat literally looks like first class on an airplane. Yes, because uh, I don't know if you're looking at uh, that, but there's the uh, three seats, like the, the, the three seat back seats. And there's a weight that not this year, but in the future where you can get those like swooping chairs which will, I think, rub off some space from your trunk to do that. Yeah, that's that. what I'm looking at right now. <laughs> okay, yes. And this one, they call it the executive seating. Yeah. Uh, and this reminds me of what you can find in a Mercedes-Benz S-Class. They don't have, they have like reclining chairs and all that fun stuff. This one seems really like, oh my God, this is <laughs> the S-Class of the future. Yeah. Like you want to be chauffeured around, not by... A computer, but by another human, this is this seems to be the market it is aimed at, and wow! And the wow, sunroof wow, wow. is ridiculous. Yeah, uh, I don't th- I don't think you can call that a sunroof. You can just call that a glass roof at this point. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and I think it's kind of co- I would say copying, but like being heavily inspired on the recent Tesla. I think the Model Three is the same. Uh, the Model X is the same. It's just that where the wing doors are, there's like a, a metal panel. But most of the Teslas are the same. And that, like, let me tell you, like, we've seen a lot of like SUVs recently with like panoramic sunroofs. This is something. But the glass roof is, it's like chef's kiss. Yeah. It's magic. I want that in all of my cars. Funny enough, though, the cheapest version of the Lucid Air, which will be called the Lucid Air Pure, which will get out next year, which will be sold around 70K, doesn't have the glass roof. Well, yeah, it's the cheap one. Come on. Right, right. <laughs> but I was a bit surprised. Again, I understand for the cheap, for to make it the price cheaper that they need to cut on things. But I would have imagined that they might. It, it would be one feature they would try to keep as much as they could. Because even a cheap Model Three, you still get you don't get the metal roof. You still keep keep the glass roof. Uh. And it's I think it is part of the experience of those types of cars. So I was surprised to see, and it also changed the look. Uh, I think you might need to click on the reserve now button if you're on the Lucid Air website, and then you just like go on the cheaper one. It's like, huh bit weird because it does change i don't think it changed the shape of the roof but it does change its proportion which yeah, makes it the looks weird. a bit different 
a bit different. It looks a bit cheaper. So again, I really wanted today to talk about it. Uh, not because I have any special reasons to talk about it. Again, it didn't fit in my categories, but I was looking at the cars that were getting out this year and I was like, I, if again, I think the same caveat that can that we apply to Rivian can apply here. We don't know about the, like there's no history trend from Lucid. I know like Rivian is built by a lot of ex-people from other companies. Uh, from other car manufacturers a bit and it takes you know it's a bit of like tech people and then the car manufacturer people are meeting together and then making it happen uh but uh again it was i was literally jaw dropping from this car i want there's i think it's the third car i would say like the, the maki the rivian and that's literally the third car i want to see in person in the next year because <laughs> chef kiss again Okay, this brings me to close my conclusion. I want to talk about the future. Because, uh, as mentioned, we talk about a lot of new names. We talk about old names, meaning like brands you know, brands you might not have known, or you, that you know that there are like new brands. But again, there's another big name that is possibly coming to the market. And this week, no, excuse me, this since the beginning of the year, uh, Apple and its car project called Project <laughs> Titan has been backed uh, in the news. And the main reason was in the news. So long story short, you might have heard that like Apple is supposedly working on a car for at least five years at this point. And it has been successful, not successful, and uh, lots of like, oh, we scrapped the current plans, we tried something else. The Why I want to talk about it as a conclusion of this episode is quite interesting because they are there was rumors that apple would be partnering with Hyundai and kia to manufacturers their car and i was quite surprised by that i was quite surprised that again it's nothing concrete and i'm just like kind of spitballing on the spitball of the rumor right <laughs> so but again, if we take, we're taking it at some face value just for the sake of today's discussion, I was quite surprised that Apple would have decided to team up with somebody else to manufacture something they would build. But at the same time, I can understand because as we've seen with Tesla throughout the years, like scaling up manufacturing of cars is a hard problem to solve. Like you can end up with pain quality issues. You can have panel gap quality issues. And you know what? I'm sure Tesla will solve them. But if Apple were to start with that, either they will have to buy a manufacturer to do that for them and then bring the expertise along, or again, they will have to team up with somebody. But that's... You could say that they have done that with Intel and now they throw them away. So even if they end up teaming up with somebody, I would kind of assume it will be for up until we replace them. Yeah. Right? One thing that I'm not surprised though is I guess they w- could have partnered with a lot of people. I do believe that the IND uh, and Kia group is a good partner because I think today they manufacture great cars. They, I think they are known for quite being quite built of like the, the, they are known to build good quality cars. And even if their foray into the luxury territory has been lackluster for the last 20 years, uh, all the luxury, Hyundai luxury brand, even with Genesis, still starting slow. It doesn't mean that they 
it is lackluster because of the quality of the product, but I think it's more of a brand association. So if you end up paying like 60, 70K, people want to also buy a logo. And you know what? When you have a nice luxury car and it's called a Hyundai, people don't associate those brands with luxury. Having been in a Genesis though, I can say that it feels pretty damn good. <laughs> right, right. And it's funny, I was looking at other news and it seems that Hyundai, part of this rumor, yes, they might be having the discussion to be in, like they're having talks with Apple, but it, it seems that even Hyundai is internally torn apart whether they should partner with Apple or not. And there was some discussion about uh, two things. If they were to partner with Apple, they might want to leave that partnership to the Kia division to not dilute their brand, which is quite interesting. But again, Hyundai was having a, the same type of talk, uh, of talk that you would expect for Apple. We are not a, a fab for cars. We're not just a manufacturer, a manufacturer of cars. We don't take, we build cars. We're a car, like we're a car brand. We don't want to team up. We don't want to be just somebody else engineering. We build our own things. And it seems that currently from all the other rumors that have been out recently, and I'll put a link in the show notes from the latest one from Mac Rumors is, yeah, I, while they might be like on paper, a good partner for Apple because they do build cars and have a lot of expertise around the world. And they even may have extra capacity and that's one i think one point is they might currently it seems that they have extra capacity and they would have even extra capacity at their georgia plan which built a lot of kios from my understanding of those notes and the rumors so for apple it would be good they don't need to build a u.s a u.s manufacturer plant and they can say hey our call our cars are built in the u.s which would fit with some of the political uh ideology that our governments are having these days with it more uh, are a bit more protectionist than before uh, so that would be quite of a win-win situation for apple in that front but again it's funny to see that even if a lot of other companies are there apple wants to go it wants to reach the car market and on top of all that fun stuff i don't see the end goal for this i it's so left field for me that I don't really understand why iPod wants to go there. And again, I don't really need to understand, right? Because I'm not running their business. But as Apple fans, like we do like their products, Yannick and I, it seems so far left field for me that I don't really see the goal. It seems like we have the money to go try something there. Let's go try something there and see if it sticks. And that to me sounds a bit un-Apple-like. Don't get me wrong, if they end up shaming a car, I would really be eager to see what will be their take on a car or on the car of 2030, right? Because that's what I would have expected. If they release a car in the next four, three or four years, which the rumor seems to say like 2024, 2027, um, like they'll build the car of the future. And... I know it sounds cheesy, so I'm kind of saying that with grinning, while grinning my teeth. But I'm I'm still eager as to say, how can like how will Apple take that, like take the car market and try to spin it their own way, the same way that ten years ago Tesla did it with the Model S, um, and that really makes me ponder a bit as a person that loves car. So yeah, I think there's a big question looming over all of this, which is. Is Apple trying to go for a mass market entry 
or are they going for luxury like they're going to make a pro display xdr of cars or whatever and then it's going to be right unobtainable for the mass uh, majority of people and the risk with having one of those high uh, like having an entire product category that is only treating the luxury is it kind of dilutes the rest of your brand where people will look at this car and say oh well they are only targeting luxury and therefore they'll think less of the rest of the company's product portfolio because of it because they can't Mm -hmm. buy into that category as well as the other ones it's like if they only make the made the watch edition like it would make no sense um but luckily they have the portfolio of various watch versions that they released and sport seems to be doing incredibly well or whatever it's called now i think it's just whatever the series by default and uh you get the stainless model or the aluminum yes yeah but um like the that strategy has worked incredibly well and now with the apple watch se and all of that they're trying to grow out their pricing umbrella for that product line and i like part of this is my ignorance about how the car business works but i legitimately don't understand first of all if you make an entrance into that market with just luxury product i think it sets a certain image and then how do you widen and scale that pricing umbrella within a reasonable timeline without taking tremendous brand damage? I don't know how you do it. Yeah, and I would I would say that the German brands have been struggling in the, in the past 10 years. Uh, again, don't want to recoup that, but I should send you and put, maybe put it in the show notes. Uh, Doug DeMiro had a great video about BMW of the recent years and mm. kind of what's happening with BMW. And it's a bit like that is to... Be more high volume. You need to maybe remove your sport, like the best driving machine image. You might need to go cheaper too at the same time. So less luxury, less sport features. So you need to go down the price. Also widen. People want SUVs. So let's give them SUVs. (laughs) And that's when slowly but surely you dilute. And to go back to like your uh, Apple Watch example, like even... Like even like those companies like Lucid, they have one car. It's like it's your auto car. But like people that have don't don't have money, what do they do to come to your place? They just dream about your car and that's it. Yeah. Uh, again, a, fa- a, a, a favorite example of mine is even if you go buy a Porsche and it's a Boxster, like you can buy the cheap one for like sixty five seventy, but you can still dream to get to buy the fanciest, like even a Taycan that is like thrice the price or even like the cheap the, the most expensive 911 you still have this kind of hollow effect in those luxury brands because they have different of luxury or different of sportness that incentivize people in the lower tiers to be like oh this car but i kind of own a portion of this with my less uh less expensive or less sporty car part of the same manufacturer so again Eager to see, eager to see. I think uh, uh, it's it was interesting to me that Apple was considering a manufacturer. And again, I've I think I would say the recent ten years I've been pretty kind to uh, Hyundai and Kia. They've been pretty successful at what they're doing, and then they're growing. I think so. It was good to me to, to see that because hey, they're maybe partnering to a good thing. But it's it was nice to also get the other side of the coin, which is like, yeah, maybe even Kia doesn't want to end up to be like TSMC. And I think TSMC, don't get me wrong. I think TSMC is super happy to be the fabbing for everybody. Yeah, the problem is if Kia gets what they want, they might be the Motorola rocker of the car industry. 
Hmm. I and see. I, I don't think that's where you want to be. <laughs> right. That's a fair point. Nor do they want. They don't want to be the TSMC of the car industry for Apple, especially for Apple. That's true. So that's that's where I want to end this episode. I hope you enjoyed this foray into what's the future is happening with uh, electric cars. That has been more or less where uh, my. Uh, just not car spending habit. I would just say like just me uh, digging about uh, digging around about cars, watching videos has been in the past two, three weeks. So I've kind of decided to uh, make it an episode before some of you ask, no, I'm not planning to change my car and buy an electric car. I don't think it's, uh, it's a bit on the expensive side for me, especially if I were maybe considering kind of a, a model three performance, not just a, a long range. or if I want to get a lot of performance, like I have, not like I have, but like I would have enjoyed uh, the same way I've bought the sportier focus on the market. Uh, that would be more on the expensive side still. But I'm really curious about what the market is coming up. And I hope uh, you've seen that today. And I hope I made also you curious about what's coming for electric cars. Is that it? Yeah. And maybe that, who knows, maybe yet because of that, Yannick will buy an electric car too. Who knows? No. <laughs> I, I hope. I hope if you ever buy a car, it's a, it's really a, an Impreza. Yeah, I Come know, on. right? Come on. My boss sent me a, uh, a link to the Mac Rumors article about the Apple car, and he was like, "Oh, is this going to be your first car?" And I'm like, oh, "Sorry, my I am in massive debt to Subaru, so uh, if I ever get a car, it has to be an Impreza." <laughs> Sorry, it has to be an Impreza. True. So who I knows? Stand Maybe by one day my boy, the Subaru Forester mascot. <laughs> That's true. And one day, who knows, maybe Subaru will make an, uh, an Electra Impreza. Who knows? I actually but think yes, I saw something that is about it. that recently, but uh, yeah. Really? Huh. Send me that. I might, uh, I'll try might to find it. Yeah. Yes, we might have uh, already have some follow-up for the next episode. <laughs> so speaking of show notes and stuff uh, from this episode, uh, you can find it at limitlesspossibility.net slash 154. You can also find the rest of our episodes at limitlesspossibility.net. You can find the podcast on Twitter when I'm not accidentally re- retweeting things on the account at Limipo <laughs> underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast. You can find... you can, uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. You can find me on Twitter at Sakurina. That's S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And you can find Lucadivier at... Lucanoche. That's L-U-C-C-O-N-O-U-C-H-E. And we'll see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks. <laughs>